desert and the great American Southwest. I bid you all good evening and good morning across these many time zones from the Hawaiian Islands and Tahiti to the East Coast and beyond, south into Mexico, north well into Canada, and then on up to Alaska. This is Coast to Coast AM. I'm Art Bell. It is a Friday night, Saturday morning, and we are for a while going to have a guest And I think you're going to find this fascinating. You've seen it on 60 Minutes, 48 Hours. You've heard about it from the CDC, if you listen. And uh, this morning, you're going to hear about it here. It is this weird trend in America, in the world now, toward new diseases. You've heard about Strep A and the, uh, the headlines about that, the bug that ate my face or whatever it is. AIDS, and a recent curious announcement uh, by the CDC that there are going to be, they are afraid, lots of new diseases uh, all of a sudden. And they attribute uh, they attributed that uh, announcement to the overuse or prescribing of uh, antibiotics, that sort of thing. Uh, at any rate, uh, this morning we've got somebody who knows about that sort of thing, His name is Lindsay Williams. He is author of a book called You Can Live, and it is about these new diseases. He has a bachelor's degree. He's not a physician. He speaks to medical groups around the country. So let's see if we can find out more about Lindsay Williams. Uh, He comes to us, I think, from somewhere in Arizona. Hello, Lindsay. Uh, Let's try putting you on hold and bring you over here. Uh, How about now? Lindsay, are you there? I'm right here, and thank you so much for letting me be with you tonight. Uh, Glad to have you. Uh, Lindsay is out in the boondocks somewhere in rural Arizona on a cellular telephone. Is that about right? Yes, Art, because when we finally do get home sometimes, we like some privacy. I do understand, believe me. Uh, Lindsay, um, why are you... What got you interested in all of this? Well, 14 years ago, I published my first book. And since then, I've been lecturing literally around the world. Every place I went, I heard the same story. Cancer, leukemia, heart problems, arthritis. But yet, I would travel outside of the United States of America, and I would hear the exact opposite. Send us your sick, and we'll send them home well. I shall never forget Dr. Ernesto Contreras said to me one day in a beautiful hospital outside of America. He said, Lindsay, send me anyone who has been diagnosed as having leukemia but yet has never been given chemotherapy. And he said, I promise you that within six weeks' time, I'll send them home to live a normal life to a ripe old age without any reoccurrence. Then I met a doctor in Scottsdale, Arizona, who has had some amazing histories of of doing away with uh, prostate cancer. And on and on we go with things like that. So I finally said, with the listening ears that I have because of five different books, I must tell the American people what I found out. So I wrote a book on alternative health care, where to go for help, and then just recently produced a very extensive uh, one-hour documentary on deadly new diseases. Mm -hmm. I hear a lot of people talk about um, all kinds of different uh, uh, cures that they claim, Lindsay. Uh, Ozone, I think, is... uh 
uh, one good example of that. There are clinics down in Mexico treating people with ozone, that sort of thing. 60 Minutes uh, recently did a, uh, an expose on it. I'm, I'm sure you got to see it. I hope you got to see it, or it may have been 2020. I can't recall. Uh, and they, they found that the, uh, the cure rate actually was no better. So there's a lot of misinformation in this um, alternative medicine uh, area. I guess there's some fact and there's some truth, and there are alternative ways of curing yourself. But how in the world do you separate the truth from the fraud? Well, in my case, it was just a matter of investigation. I would go to the hospitals. I would talk with the doctors. I would interview their patients. Uh, I would look over their case histories. But there's one thing for sure. As Newsweek magazine said it on March the 28th, 1994, it says the end of antibiotics. Science thought it had banished infectious diseases, but now the drugs, the bugs are fighting back. Yes. The doctors don't have an answer. In fact, they state right in that article that in 1992, 13,300 hospital patients died of infections that resisted every drug doctors tried. Well, I read that same Time magazine article you're talking about, Lindsay, and uh, they suggested that, yes, it is true, there are a lot of resistant drugs, uh, resistant uh, strains now, but they are quickly concocting, or at least trying to, uh, new antibiotics that do get them. What about that? Well, let me go right to, let's see, the very recent magazine, in fact, is Laboratory Medicine, it's the publication of the American Society of Clinical Pathologists. It's dated September 1994, and they had a very interesting article on the mystery of the Hunter virus. And let me give you one or two quotes out of here that will indicate that uh, those new drugs not necessarily doing what they say they have. Now, I'm quoting right out of this uh, very popular medical magazine. All right. It said, after the syndrome takes hold, it is not easy to control it. Supportive therapy is the best we can do. Then it goes on to say the FDA has approved um, a drug, and he says it's open-label drug, but questions remain about its effectiveness. Patients must receive the drug early. This particular strain may move to uh, rapidity for the drug, and it goes on to say that by the time this drug is proven, that it may be 10 to 20 years before they can get a success rate that would be useful to people, and yet everything but says that the drugs just are not doing the job, and if you don't catch it within the first 24 hours, you're probably going to die anyway. All right. Talk to us about the, what is the hantavirus? Well, the hantavirus was better known as the Four Corners Mystery Illness. It was announced for the first time approximately six months ago in the area between uh, northern Arizona on the Indian Reservation in Utah and New Mexico. There had never even been a culture grown of it. Uh, they thought they had an epidemic on their hands, which they did. They had no known drug whatsoever that would stop it. And the, the Center for Disease Control immediately went into action, tried to figure out what it was. It took them days to ever name it, called it finally the Hunter virus. Mm -hmm. Now it has literally spread across America. And they're everything but saying, there's nothing we can do about it unless you catch it within the first 24 hours. How, so, how is it uh, transferred? Uh, well, they say it's transferred by deer mice, but there again, they're not quite sure because there were no deer mice in Minnesota. So then they said another kind of mouse, and then it wound up in Florida, and they tried to claim that some other animal transmitted it down there. And uh, to watch a program that was on uh, educational TV about three or four weeks ago here in Arizona, 
of everything, but said we aren't quite sure how many different animals might carry this thing. Hmm. Uh, is it really new, in your opinion, uh, Lindsay, new to the United States? It just suddenly appeared, or did it, uh, in what way did it suddenly manifest itself, coming from elsewhere, or just suddenly coming into being? Well, that Newsweek article on March the 28th, 94, called the end of antibiotics, and also in Time magazine, September the 12th, 1994, they go on to say that 40 years ago, 50 years ago, medical science decided it would make a turnabout. It had been using herbs, bark, leaves for years. And all of a sudden, they decided they would go to the new magic bullets, the first being penicillin, every kind of uh, vaccination imaginable, and they really didn't know what they were going to do. As a result, the bugs supposedly were wiped out. They thought they had conquered TB. And all of a sudden, the bugs, and the proper medical term for this, is a microbial mutation. The bugs decided they would change because they couldn't live in the body any longer, and they mutated. And as a result, we have today old diseases that have become new strains that none of the known antibiotics will touch many of them. In fact, it was quite interesting that Newsweek magazine said, by now, nearly every disease organism known to medicine has become resistant to at least one antibiotic. Lindsay, are the bugs going to have the last laugh? Oh, positively. There's no question about it. If man does not turn back to alternative medicine, uh, if man does not go back to what was used for thousands of years, building that immune system which was put in the body. For instance, in a few moments as we get into some very controversial things, I would like to give you right from documents of the government of the United States of America, and I'll tell you where you can find them. You go to any library and get them. The government of the United States of America knows there is a cure for AIDS. They know it. They know it. Sure. In a moment or two, I'll dig out my notes here and we'll read it. But yet, why don't they tell people, well, they can't. After all, the big drug companies make too many billions. Are you familiar with Dr. Duesberg? No, I am not. No. All right. He is a um, a University of Berkeley um, researcher, and uh, he has a theory about AIDS that basically says the HIV virus does not cause it. Yes, I have heard that. Do you hold with that theory, or do you think it is HIV, the uh, positive it's, agent? It's so new, his theory, until I'm not quite sure. I have read some articles on it, but I'm not quite sure which way to believe. I do know that there is, according to the International AIDS Conference in Berlin, Germany, which was held on June the 9th, 1993, and I took it right from their minutes, there is a cure for AIDS, and they know it, but you can't make money off of the cure that they give. Well, what is it? Don't hold us in suspense. What, okay. what cures AIDS? Here it is. I'll read it verbatim, right out of the minutes of the International AIDS Conference, Berlin, Germany, June 9, 1993. All right. Quote, a large group of women prostitutes have been discovered in Africa. Each prostitute has had numerous right. encounters with men who have AIDS. It's true, and yet they have not contracted it. And they go on to state the last paragraph, scientists will now try to invent a drug which will imitate a strong immune system. I had to laugh at it when I saw this. I said, why don't they tell them to get rid of their white flour and white sugar, go back to eating right, uh, start eating fresh green vegetables, learn how to take um, uh, certain forms of, of, uh, of substances that are natural that will build that immune system. 
you can find them in any health food store. I don't have to name any. Yeah, okay. All, all that makes sense to me, uh, Lindsay. In other words, strengthening your immune system. But um, I don't know of anybody diagnosed with AIDS, uh, yet cured of AIDS. In other words, AIDS, uh, some live on for a period of time, but AIDS is still detected in their blood. Uh, or is that false? Well, I was in the office of a Oriental Herb Company just the other day, talking with the president, whose name I would not give over the air. Thank you. And neither will I talk about any type of uh, substance over the air because it's not correct. I will be doing others injustice. But they said to me, we have numerous AIDS patients, people who have tested positive for HIV, who have been using our oriental herbs for a number of years. They are in remission and have shown no progression. And they showed me the case histories. <clears throat> uh, Dr. Duesberg, uh, and I suspect yourself, have one thing in common. It was his view that AZT, the traditional treatment for AIDS, is poison, and that AZT is mostly what kills people, destroying, murdering the uh, immune system. Exactly. I would concur. You with, would. With everything I have seen, uh, unless people go to natural substances to put that in remission, after all, it's an immune system problem, so what would you build? Don't tear down the immune system. Build the immune system. Well, uh, I believe with AZT, the patient generally gets a temporary lift in T-cell count, and, uh, and then it quickly, following that, uh, takes a very steep dive. He attributes the lift in the T-cell count to the immune system uh, battling once very hard back, and that, that lifts the number of T-cells, and then the immune system begins quick death. Oh, positively, because no drug, uh, no, what should we say, chemical substance foreign to the body is going to build that immune system if it's an immune deficiency. But let's go back again to Time Magazine. Time Magazine, in their article on September the 12th of this year, uh, had a chart, which I thought was very interesting, and AIDS is way down toward the bottom That's of the number true. of people that die every year. That's true. Uh, diarrhea. We're up at the top with 3,200,000, tuberculosis, 3 million, hepatitis, malaria, measles, all are before the AIDS death rate. So we have some mutated forms of bugs out there. And, of course, the one most startling now is a new book written called The Hot Zone, talking about Ebola. Um, these are much more drastic than the AIDS subject and are killing many, many more people every year. So we had best figure out a way to do something with that immune system before one of these gets out of hand. All right, Lindsay, do you remember the movie um, that ran, I believe, on HBO called and the band played on? Did you happen to see that? No. No. All right, Lindsay, well, at the beginning of that motion picture, they showed an incident in Africa, and I'm not sure at how, exactly how it related to AIDS, except to scare the hell out of everybody, and it did that very well, where um, people began... It may have been Ebola, I'm not sure. Uh, people began very quickly hemorrhaging through just about every orifice they have and dying very quickly. That was Ebola Zaire, and it was on 48 hours about four or five months ago. They did probably a 20-minute section on it. What is that? Well, I have before me the Dallas Morning News, dated October the 30th. Now, this is right now, almost, 1994. It's a review of the book called The Hot Zone written by a very reputable individual. I guess he wrote for the Washington Post at one time. 
and he says, quote, it's called the Ebola virus, and it is, if it should crash into the human race, as HIV has done, 90% of the human population could be wiped out. It is airborne. It is extremely contagious. There is no vaccine, no known cure. He says AIDS takes 10 years to destroy its host. Ebola virus takes 10 hours. Yes. Yes, uh, really, truly frightening. And I wonder, in Zaire, what stopped it, uh, Lindsay? Just the isolation of the individuals involved, or why did it not travel? According to, let's see, Richard Preston, who wrote the book, there was no rhyme, no reason. It began, it stopped, it could break out again, and he said it could uh, spread because of modern-day air travel all over the world in no time flat. God, that's frightening, uh... And I've always wondered uh, what a terrible end for the human race. Instead of some uh, man-generated catastrophe like a nuclear war, to in 10 or 20 hours, and with international air travel, it would be entirely possible, uh, the human race basically expires. Well, in Richard Preston's book, he says 550,000 were killed by the influenza, influenza pandemic of 1918-19, he said that was before modern-day air travel. All right. Lindsay Williams, hold on just a moment. We'll come right back to you. He is my guest. We are discussing new diseases. Lindsay, about four minutes until the bottom of the hour here. Um, I've got a number of faxes. People knew that you were coming on, and they sent them. And I've got three questions uh, from one fellow down in San El Cajon, uh, California. Um, I've heard rumors that HIV, or AIDS, is affecting over 80% of the population in the Central African countries. What is the truth? Is it? Yes. From what I hear from people like Lorraine Day, that is correct. I had the privilege the other day of being on the platform with her in San Jose, California. Of course, she is a medical doctor, oh, yes. one of the leading physicians in one of the hospitals in Southern California. She says that Southeast Asia and many parts of Africa will be non-existent by the year 2000. Well, I think that I may believe that myself. 80% 8 out of 10, my God. That's literally going to... I know that in Bangkok, for example, uh, the AIDS rate is frightening. Don McIlvaney was in Bangkok recently, and when he came back, I think he's been on your program. He has, He yeah. made the statement to me. He said, Lindsay, by the year 2000, Bangkok, Thailand will be non-existent because it's the sex capital of Asia. Mm -hmm. And he said uh, AIDS is spreading so rapidly. In fact, I'll dig out some other statistics on AIDS. I really didn't intend getting on AIDS. Well, tonight, you know, it's, it's interesting, uh, Lindsay. You, you never know where these shows are going to go. Um, you know, that would give... Uh, uh, credence, I think, to the theory that HIV does cause AIDS. AIDS. Otherwise, how is it spread from individual to individual? If it, it's simply a slaughter of the immune system because of people not do, eating the right foods and all that sort of thing, then there shouldn't be this kind of direct spread that we do see. Well, I'm trying to look through here and get the latest statistics that were given by the UN. This was in Geneva, Switzerland, and if I can find the article, I'd like to read it verbatim so that the audience uh, gets it exactly as is, and I'm having to look through here in a hurry to try to find this. It's on AIDS. Of course, everything from the Wall Street Journal on have dealt with the subject of AIDS. They're causing our hospitals now an AIDS war zone, and many of the nurses are dropping out. One doctor recently wrote in his report, he said new research reports a higher concentration of HIV virus found in saliva and respiratory system than blood. He said contrary to earlier reports, kissing, coughing can be hazardous to your health, social 
touching, hugs and handshaking. This is actually a doctor's report. Uh, Lorraine Day puts out a publication dealing with that subject. And I'm still looking here for that article from the... There are well, number, a number of the predictions that Lorraine Day made, though, with regard to AIDS in this country have not, uh, have not turned out uh, to be so. And the actual rate of spread in this country, now I don't know about elsewhere, but in this country, uh, has not turned out to be what it was forecast to be. Now, you pointed out yourself, Lindsay, that in the Time article, it's way down the list in killers. Okay, here it is. Out of the Arizona Republic, okay, July right. the 1st, 1994, right. it's from Geneva, Switzerland, to UN quote. It says the estimated number of full-blown AIDS cases worldwide increased to 4 million from mm-hmm. 2.5 million in the past 12 months. That's World Health Organization quote. That's drastic. Uh, that's worldwide, right? Worldwide. Uh-huh. All right, Lindsay, uh, hold on. We're going to take a bottom-of-the-hour break. You won't hear anything for a while. Don't let that bother you. Uh, Lindsay Williams is my guest. The subject, new diseases. You're listening to the CBC Radio Network. to the Kingdom of Nine and Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. Now here again is Art. Here again I am. Let your phone rest easy for the moment. We're talking with uh, uh, Lindsay Williams about new diseases and uh, I guess some old ones that are new again in a way. And we're going to begin establishing right now the regimen of uh, taking care of our commercial content right up front so we can... uh, so we can just rock. All right, once again, my guest, if uh, you're just tuning in, is Lindsey Williams. He's uh, isolated down in an area in Arizona, uh, out in, the, in a rural area on a cellular telephone, and kind enough to be with us this morning. He's talking about new diseases. He is author of a book called You Can Live. We'll find out more about that. Uh, but we are talking about new diseases. AIDS is a new disease. Lindsay, are you there? I'm right here, Art. Okay. Uh, jumping to another part of the question of this first fax, uh, here's another question. An outbreak of the plague was reported in India this summer. At first, we were told the plague could spread to the rest of the world. Then later, we were told the outbreak was small and under control. Which is it? Um, well, yes. The plague was pretty much out of control because unless they caught the person with certain drugs within the first few hours after getting it, they were in trouble. But I think the thing that our listener would be very most interested in, Bob Lee from radio station KSL in Salt Lake City called me today, and he said, Lindsay, I must give you this over the wire just today before you get on the Art Bell Show tonight. CBS this week uh, said that the plague has now spread to China, the pneumonic plague. Uh, The Korean news agency was the one that announced it. And since it spread into China, of course, naturally, we'll never get any information out, it, out of it. Yeah, that is news. I'd not heard that, Lindsay. That just today came over the wires of CBS, and I guess he picked it up off of the, uh, whatever it is, they get special forms. Yeah. And he said an asymptomatic person can be traveling from China or from India to America by the time they get here could uh, be contagious with this and spread it all across this land. And it is a drastic thing. Now, how quickly does it spread, Lindsay? Oh, 
it's airborne. Now, the old bubonic, uh, uh, let's see, bubonic plague had to be spread by contact. This new type of plague, which is not called, is called pneumonic plague, is airborne, and the New York Times on September the 27th, 1998, says pneumonic plague, which affects the respiratory system, is generally regarded as a public health emergency, and then it goes on down to say the startling one. Health officials around the world, including those in the United States, have long been known to lie about confirmed outbreaks of communicable diseases, and that's in that tabloid of New York Times. I'm sorry, but I believe that, Lindsay. I do believe it. Did you see The Stand? Movie called The Stand. No. <laughs> you're not. Te- <laughs> you're not a television watcher, are you, Lindsay? I guess I stay on the road so much lecturing uh, week after week till I don't get to see. The All right. Movie. Well, The Stand, Lindsay, uh, began with um, the, the most horrific kind of. Uh, um, uh, biological accident you could imagine uh, you know it managed to get out that's how the stand began and uh, this plague they called it the plague spread uh, quickly around the world and began and just killed about everybody now help me to understand you say this new plague is not the same as the old plague and if not what are the differences in the New York Times it says the difference is that this new pneumonic plague they're calling it is airborne which the bubonic plague was not airborne. That means that a person can cough in the cabin of an airplane. The air, 80% of it is recirculated. I'm a pilot myself, so I know. Mm -hmm. And uh, every person in that plane within a flight from India to America could be contaminated with the new bubonic plague after it gets into the air system and is, uh, is airborne. The same with the new strain of tuberculosis which if you get it, you're dead. There is no known drug will touch it. And in my new videotape, I deal extensively with this new strain of TB, which is deadly. In fact, I was on a radio station the other day, WWDB, with uh, Art, and someone, the uh, producer of the uh, program said, I would not go to the inner city of New York. Now, that was an hour and a half away from the inner city of New York. He said, I would not go to the inner city of New York for any amount of money because the new strain of incurable tuberculosis is epidemic proportion in the inner city. I said, would you say that over the air when we go back on? He said, not on your life. I'm an hour and a half away, and I could be credited with starting a panic. But Dan Rather had the Bob Arnott, medical editor of CBS, on a few weeks ago, and I wrote down his statement. He said, we are on the verge of a medical disaster. And then the best one yet to come out is Dr. Ronald N. Jones. He's a professor of medical microbiology division of the Department of Pathology of the University of Iowa. And anyone listening who has access to medical periodicals, please get this one. It came out this week. It is must reading. This week. In fact, I got the blue lines on this. They sent it to me personally because they wanted me to give this out every place I could across America. This article is published in the Diagnostic Microbiology and Infectious Diseases magazine, this week's issue. And this Ronald N. Jones, who is the Department of Pathology of the University of Iowa, a very credible individual, mm-hmm. was so perturbed over the new microbial resistance of these diseases until he had 43 labs to participate in his article, which he publishes in that magazine, and in it, he states the following, quote, germ-resistant antibiotics are spreading at an alarming rate in hospitals, and doctors fear, fear pneumonia, blood infections, and other ills will become impervious to anything medical can now throw at them. Routine ailments could become killers 
about 85% of the types of bacteria responsible for hospital-acquired infections gradually have developed a resistance to common antibiotics. I mean, this is a startling article. All right, let me try this question on you. Uh, it seems a trend. Why is this happening? Why are these strains developing? Is it the overuse of antibiotics? I understand that in the third world, Lindsay, antibiotics are available basically over the counter and people use them for just about everything. Is that what's causing it? Yes, that's what uh, Newsweek magazine said on March the 28th of that article, The End of Antibiotics. They said, we have overused them for 40 to 50 years. The body, as a result, has become saturated with them. The immune systems have become depressed because of their use and we give 30% more antibiotics to the animals and we eat their meat. That's true. And as a result, we have created a medical disaster. Modern day medicine has created a holocaust and it's only a matter of time until it comes in the back door. In fact, it's very interesting. I was sent by a doctor in Madison, Wisconsin, this just this week. The uh, University of Wisconsin in Madison has added for the first time this um, this fall, a course entitled Infections That Do Not Respond, would you believe? Mm -hmm. And you can take it. It's a 30-hour course, and AMA credit, and it's in the University of Madison in Wisconsin. Why? They know that we are on the verge of a disaster, but people don't need to worry at all because there is something they can do if they will build that immune system. They don't have to worry about all of these things. Take responsibility for our own health. I have a five point that I urge people to do. Take responsibility for your health. We can't expect someone else to take care of us like the doctors. Don't wait till the plague hits to build that immune system. Number two, learn the facts. And I would urge you to get a copy of my video, which hopefully we can talk about uh, as we close out the program tonight. It's uh, one hour. And it's a one-hour documentary on deadly diseases. The doctors themselves explain it. People go into the lab and see the cultures being grown. A doctor in Phoenix, Arizona, talks about vaccinations and how many children died last year as a result of vaccinations. It's probably 25% of the tape. And then the soldiers in the Middle East, the well, uh, that they uh, came back. Lindsay, let me stop you right there. Uh, let's take up the subject of vaccinations. Uh, polio in this country was once a, a killer. Big killer. Uh, polio has made a f recent, I suppose, resurgence of some sort, and they, they said it's because people have become lax with vaccinations. Why is being vaccinated for polio a bad idea, Lindsay? I am so glad that you asked about vaccinations, and I'm going to read it right from a reputable MD who is practicing today in Indiana. His doctor's name is Dr. W.B. Clark. He is a practicing MD. Now, this is not a homeopath. This is not a chiropractor, and I have nothing against those. So this is a man who is a graduate of a medical school, and I'm going to quote from his recent article. Cancer was practically unknown until compulsory vaccination with cowpox vaccine began to be introduced. I have had to deal with at least 200 cases of cancer, and I never saw a case of cancer in an unvaccinated person. And it continues. During the 1950s and 60s, millions of people were injected with a polio vaccine that were contaminated with SV40 virus. They admitted to it, by the way, 20 years later. SV40 is considered a powerful trigger of HIV, the name given to AIDS. And isn't it quite interesting that 25 years later, AIDS appeared on the scene? 
Now the statistics that you asked for. Yes. Polio. In 1958, I'll give you three states. These come out of the state records. In 1958, there was no mandatory vaccination for polio in the state of Tennessee, and they had 119 cases recorded. This is right out of the state records. Mm -hmm. In 1959, after mandatory vaccination with the polio vaccine, there were 386 cases. Ohio, 1958, 17 cases. 1959, after compulsory vaccinations, 52. Connecticut, 1958, 48 cases. 1959, after compulsory vaccinations, 159. And mothers, please learn what DPT and MMR are doing to your children and make up your own mind and don't let the doctor harass you. Uh, all right. Well, that's... that's you know, Lindsay, it gets to the point where what is a mother to do? In other words, who do you believe? Uh, there are uh, responsible health officials who are saying, look, we've basically eliminated polio uh, in our time um, and some of these other diseases, and you vaccinate your children. We have drives to do vaccinations. We have national collection centers for vaccines uh, and all the rest of it. Um, and then we have people like Lindsay and other doctors telling us, no, uh, vaccinations cause problems. What's a mother to do, Lindsay? Well, Art, a mother could do what a doctor just begged me to do the other day when he contacted me from Minneapolis, Minnesota, and said, Lindsay, I am sending you in the mail a little slip of paper that comes in the bottle of vaccine for DPT and MMR. And he said, we never post these in our waiting rooms. But he said, please give this out to the American people everywhere you can. And I have in front of me the contents of DPT and MMR and over on the side of the little slip of paper that the drug companies send in the bottle of vaccine to the doctor. The most startling part yet that I think I've ever read, uh, ever read is what reactions the people are to expect possibly in their children after these things are given. Here it is. DPT contains number one formaldehyde, better known as embalming fluid. Number two, trimenosal, it's a mercury derivative. Mm. Number three, sodium chloride and sodium hydroxide. Number four, nitric acid and hydrochloric acid. Number five, charcoal, aluminum phosphate. And number six, sheep's blood as a culture. And then over on the side, mm. it says that you can expect about a dozen different things. I want to read two. Number one, convulsions, paralysis. Books have been written on this subject now. Now, to be fair, these are possible side effects, not predicted outcomes, right? Well, you must hear what a medical doctor, a, a medical doctor, a practicing doctor in Phoenix, Arizona, says on my videotape as he gives about a five-minute oration on vaccines, what they do, why they do it, and how many children died with it last year, and his recommendations as to how mothers can protect their children. Now, this is coming from an M.D., and he was willing to be interviewed on my videotape, which, okay. of course, is going all over the country now. And he tells what mothers can do if they decide not to give these shots. What, what's the substance of it? Is it uh, just good common sense, um, nutrition, and uh, so forth, and building of the immune system? Is that the answer? That's the exact answer. Mm -hmm. And it works. Um, can you give us some idea of what you mean when you say build the immune system? If I said, Lindsay... How do I build my immune system? What should I do? What would you say? I would say, first of all, learn the facts. Okay. Uh, read as much as you can. There are many, many books out there on the subject. Then, right, right. But I've got Lindsay Williams on now, and you wrote a book, so you tell me, Lindsay, what does a person do to build their immune system? 
healthy diet and exercise, I would say, is number one. Healthy diet and exercise. Number two, our soil has been so depleted because of the use of chemicals by the farmers until I don't think it's possible for a person to get the proper nutrient from foods today. You do need to take supplements that have been organically grown and add them to your diet. I would highly recommend herbs and that will build the immune system. Well, I have taken some herbs, uh, Lindsay, and there are many herbs for many purposes, and I found some that indeed, you know, they do as advertised. They really do work. I suppose there are more powerful herbs. I have one that will aid you to sleep, that sort of thing. Um, what kind of herbs are around, and what do they do? Well, without mentioning names, which I don't feel would be proper on this program, I will put it this way. Along with the videotape, we will send a condensed uh, pamphlet that you could know where to look for books that tell you how to use the right substances to help build that immune system. Along Now, these are written by medical doctors. And if you want to get their books, you can, which apart from anything that I do. Mm-hmm. But uh, you could at least know where to go for the information without me mentioning some particular supplement over the air. Now, there is one that I've been very impressed with recently that uh, a company has that supposedly is going to work wonders for the immune system, and it causes the DHEA of the body, which usually ceases to exist after about 20 to 30 years of age. What's DHEA? What is that? Well, it's... Um, it's the thing that causes children to be protected uh, more so than older people. Uh-huh. It's, yes. uh, it's a youth um, miracle, so to speak, that is in this body naturally. Youth and juice. Yeah. Youth yeah. juice. Right. And <laughs> it seems that the gland begins to produce it again when a certain formula of, uh, well, I think they use the Mexican yam when it's given. And it, in turn, activates the DHEA, which enables the immune system to protect itself. I've got you. All right. Um, How is anybody able to document an improvement or a degradation of the immune system? Until something hits you, how do you know? Well, you and I come in contact with so many things every day. I especially, traveling in aircraft and uh, being in so many large audiences... Uh, I can know when my immune system is strong because I don't get anything and uh, let it become weak, and immediately I'm picking up everything from colds on. So a person can know themselves how they feel. Listen to the body, so to speak. I've got a question for you, Lindsay. Um, there was an earlier time in my life when I used to catch a lot of colds. Now, I work from my home, and so I don't come in contact with a lot of people, but I do come in contact with people, and I haven't had a cold in years, and that almost scares me, Lindsay, because... I always thought that getting a cold or the flu actually built the immune system because the immune system would be activated and would fight back uh, producing these uh, various antibodies. And I've been a little worried that I haven't been getting sick. (laughs) (laughs) I would say that you don't have much to be worried about, really. Be very excited because the doctor's office and the hospital, especially the operating room, can probably become one of the worst places in the world to pick up something. I understand that mm-hmm. 30% of the people who go to a hospital now come out with something they did not have when they went in. That does not surprise me. 30, yeah, 30%, day, huh? Yes. The other day I was with a medical professional in Mesa, Arizona. They said to me, Chaplain Williams, have you heard about the new fungus that has emerged in the operating rooms of hospitals? I said no. They said doctors are talking very quietly. They're scared to death. It is spread to a number of operating rooms of hospitals across the country. There is no known 
disinfectant that will kill it. It is a microbial mutation. Mm. And something appeared about this in the Arizona Daily Sun just the other day. It says, fungus emerges as a major health hazard. That was on October the 20th. And they cannot get rid of it in operating rooms? They say that there is no... Now, this medical professional told me, they said there is no known disinfectant that will kill it, and doctors are worried. Well, yeah, I can understand why they'd be worried. I'd be worried, too. We aren't being told a fraction of just how close we are with the depressed immune systems of the people in the world today. Yes. We are on the verge of that particular virus or bacteria emerging, which, when it finally gets loose, whether it be Ebola or whatever it may be, could sweep across the world because of modern-day travel, jet aircraft, and communications as we have it today of people traveling so rapidly, could literally sweep the world and kill millions in a matter of days. Um, I, you know, I just I have this funny feeling that you're absolutely right about that, that a lot of people that have been talking about this are absolutely right, and I have this horror that it will actually occur. What are the prospects of it actually occurring if we don't change something? Uh, very good. In fact, on 48 Hours, when they did the one-hour documentary, one of the medical professionals that were uh, interviewed on the program said, it's not a matter of if, it's only a matter of when. When I heard that. Yes, so it's coming, and the more we continue down our present path, the more likely it becomes. Well, we heard nothing about this three, four years ago. Uh-huh. Time magazine, uh all of the major magazines, the medical periodicals now, 48 hours, 2020, in one year. In one year, yes. It's as though they are preparing us for it. Um, should we be prepared for it? And, well, better, better question, how do you prepare for it? I guess your answer is strengthen your immune system. Strengthen the immune system, but first you must know the issues as to what you can do. There are a lot of books out there that will tell you how. I would urge you to get this videotape that I have and learn the facts from the doctors and then start taking their advice as to what to do about it. All right, Lindsay, I'm going to hold you over. You're at the top. We're at the top of the hour now. So I want you to relax, sit back for about six or seven minutes or eight minutes and uh, get comfortable and we'll come back to you, all right? Thank you, Art. All right, my guest is Lindsay Williams. He's here talking about new diseases and the possibility that uh, one day we could all... Wake up dead. You remember that expression? Hope I don't wake up dead in the morning. Well, I hope I don't either, and I hope you don't. We'll find out how we can avoid it and talk more about it next. From the kingdom of Nye. You're hearing Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell on the CBC Radio Network. Good morning. Welcome back to the best talk radio in the nighttime. Live throughout the nighttime, you're listening to America's largest and fastest growing all-night radio program. I'm Art Bell. My guest, if you're just joining us, is Lindsay Williams. Lindsay has written a book called You Can Live. Lindsay lectures to doctors and medical groups about new diseases that are showing up. He's got a bachelor's degree. He's very well informed. And uh, so far, his information has been spotlessly documented. And we'll get back to Lindsay in just a moment. He 
maintains that mankind could literally disappear in a flash of time, 10, 20, 30, 40 hours, suddenly gone as the result of some new disease. All right, um, back now to Lindsay Williams. Uh, Lindsay, here's a fax from Honolulu, Hawaii, and uh, it asks the following. In 1986, um, BSE, a slow-moving virus that causes a brain disease like scrapie in sheep, was found in British cattle. There may be a lag time of four to five years in cattle between infection and symptoms. An article in Nature, 15 March 1990, claimed that laboratory mice contracted BSE after eating infected cattle tissue. Have Britons eaten this infected meat or dairy product? BSE may not be destroyed by cooking. Scraping can survive a temperature of 360 degrees centigrade. It would be no su surprise to discover that BSE could as well. If Britons have consumed BSE through infected cattle, what is their probable prognosis and can this happen again with another disease? As far as I know, there is no known treatment for BSE. BSE is 100% fatal. I would say that this is very similar to Ebola. And they say that there is no known drug that will touch it. That's right. Uh, this could appear again. It was quite interesting that they said in this article uh, on the book, The Hot Zone, that Ebola may appear again next week. It may appear again next year, five years from now. Who knows when it's going to come out of the rainforest and if it could be transmitted by modern-day jet travel of someone going from that part of uh, Zaire to the United States of America. The same could be true of the disease that the person just mentioned, the virus, and many others. In fact, I was just digging out some things here in, uh, while we were on the commercial break. The November issue, November 1994 issue, of laboratory medicine. Again, this is a publication of the Medical Society of Clinical Pathologists. They have a lengthy article entitled Emerging Infections Disease The Healthcare Community Confronts a Public Health Threat. Now, medical magazines would have never come out with this mm -hmm. uh, two years ago. They talk about hepatitis C. Uh, they talk about the calamity of infections, rodent-borne infections, and they go on and on with leading medical professionals of the country saying we are in trouble. You mentioned the rainforest, Lindsay. We're busily, I guess, uh, destroying the rainforest, uh, intruding on it. It's a double-edged sword, isn't it? In other words, a lot of cures could potentially come out of the rainforest. They're afraid of uh, those being destroyed. But disease can also come out of the rainforest, can it? That's what Newsweek magazine said on October the 10th, 1994. I quote, air travel creates a frightening factor. It took the Black Death 17 years to travel the, um, the 14th century trade routes from China to Iceland, mm -hmm. killing 25 million people. Today, a 10-hour flight from Bombay to London airport, uh, an infected person can make the journey without any show showing any signs of the plague. And then, of course, when they get there, they uh, it appears. All right, but once again, Lindsay, um, uh, that's with regard to how quickly it can spread. My question was about the rainforest. Uh, we're cutting it down, and my question is whether they're inside the rainforest, as we approach new areas of the rainforest, uh, are diseases present in there that man could suddenly contact that he never has before? Yes. In fact, there were a group of doctors here in America. Let me give the title of the book. I have it right here in my notes. 
there was a book written by a group of MDs in America within the past six months that goes on to explain how that this could take place, that we actually are cutting down the rainforest. We do not know what might appear from them. The book is entitled Emerging Infections, Threats to Health in the United States of America. It's produced by a number of MDs themselves and uh, published by National Academy Press. If you can even find one on the bookshelf, there, a book stand, they're uh, disappearing as fast as a person can pick them up. And it's amazing how they say that we really don't know what's in that rainforest. And as we cut them down, what might come out of there that could affect the whole world because of modern-day travel. All right. Well, so far I have struck out with finding out whether you've seen various uh, dramas on television. There was a movie called Medicine Man. Did you happen to see that? <laughs> We're striking out again. I guess I'll read too many periodicals and don't watch TV enough. All right. It uh, was a story about a doctor in the rainforest uh, doing a bunch of research. It was kind of a, uh, I guess, a, a, a leftist uh, political point of view, you know, with the people coming with the... Uh, the stuff to knock down and burn the rainforest, and he had just discovered a cure for cancer, Lindsay, in the rainforest, and of course they came up at the last moment and plowed down his cure, never to be seen again, or he went back to research it, but it was lost, is the point. Um, how serious is the destruction of the rainforest with regard to uh, new disease and cures that might be there? Oh, very serious, because many of the substances that we use um in modern-day medicine even, come from the rainforest. I think I saw, I believe I did see that program, and they said something about uh, 40%, if I remember correctly, and don't uh, quote me on this because I'm speaking without having the periodical in front of me, but something like 40% of the substances used even in modern-day medicine come from the result of leaves, bark, trees, yes. and from the rainforest. And yes. they think that possibly if we ever discover something to build the immune system to overcome all of these others, that we will probably find it in that place. Hmm. So cutting them down is very dangerous. We are uh, diminishing the oxygen supply in the world. I understand that the oxygen level has fallen something like two to three points no. since they started keeping records of it. No kidding. Uh, no known germ, no known bacteria or virus can live in an oxygen environment. They've proven this from the hyperbaric uh, oxygen chamber. So in other words, as the percentage of oxygen in the world drops, uh, the possibility of these bugs thriving uh, increases? Oh, I think so. Very definitely. In fact, I have an article in front of me. It's the Journal of the American Medical Association. It's dated October the 19th, 1994. This is very recent. And the article is entitled, Cholera is Walking. Now, walking. this likewise is coming out of a semi-rainforest area in South America. And I quote just one or two sentences here. Since it began in January of 1991 in Peru, the cholera epidemic, now I'm quoting right out of the Journal of the American Medical Association, the cholera epidemic has steadily expanded throughout the continent, as well as Mexico and Central America. Fatalities ratio from 1991 through 1993, 606,653 in Peru, 31,655 cases in Bolivia, mm -hmm. 2,623 cases in Argentina, and it is coming to our back door through Mexico. They already have cases reported in Mexico. All right, here's a question that I think you'll understand uh, the, 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 why I'm asking it. Uh, in, in human history, we have a 
at least modern history, we have a fairly well-documented uh, idea of what disease has done. Some of it has been awful for the human race. Is there any example in nature, Lindsay, of an animal population, uh, any species, that has been, in fact, wiped out by any disease? I have never heard of a documented case. So, uh, in nature, at least in the animal world, uh, it is, it's, it's not common. Of course, we are not the animal world. We are doing things animals would never do to ourselves and our environment. Well, animals have never processed sugar and white flour. Uh, they have never put chemicals on their soil so that they uh, intentionally destroy the immune system. They never developed antibiotics. And the worst one yet, vaccinations. No one really knows what the long-term ramifications of vaccinations are going to be. There was a recent story that I found incredible, Lindsay. It said that since World War II, um, cancer in men has gone up 300%, 300% since the end of the Second World War. In, these are now non-smoking-related cancers. And I found that astounding. Why would cancer triple in that many years uh, and not be smoking-related? Because that's the time frame in which we have destroyed our soil, cut down the rainforest, uh, used antibiotics, which diminished the value of the immune system. All of these things that we've done to ourselves uh, has been within that time frame. So naturally, cancer will increase more and more as time progresses, and we continue to do these Should things. mankind be using uh, penicillins, uh, antibiotics at all, or should it just be um, uh, eliminated or, or just a judicious use of it? What would you say? Well, if I answered that question outright, the Food and Drug Administration would probably be knocking on my door tomorrow morning. Well, who cares? Let them knock. Um, <laughs> it's your opinion. I mean, in your opinion, are you saying that we shouldn't be using antibiotics? Uh, in my opinion, I personally, Lindsay Williams, would not use an antibiotic or a vaccination or a shot of any kind under any circumstances. Um, I know enough alternative medicine sources, either in or outside of America, that I could feel perfectly safe in my own body mm. of healing any illness that I have using those, including cancer. You know, I wouldn't dare say over the air that you could cure cancer. Um, Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, but you do, in fact, believe it, don't you? Well, now you're really putting me on the spot. You well, sure I am. I mean, in, in a way, in the first hour, Lindsay, you said... Um, you said uh, that you, you, you've documented cases of people that have, in fact, been cured, right? And, and uh, AIDS as well. A very personal friend called me the other day, and he said, I have prostate cancer. What can I do about it? It's mm -hmm. advanced stages. Um, I said, I can't tell you what to do. Why don't you call this doctor in Scottsdale, mm -hmm. Arizona, who has documented cases of, within a very short period of time, having the disappearance of all symptoms of prostate cancer, Hmm. And all in the world he's using is um, alternative medicine. Maybe I should put it this way. He's using essential oils injected into the rectum, and as a result, it has given amazing results. Now, I am not quoting what Lindsay Williams says can be done. This doctor has documented cases and appeared just a few weeks ago on a certain uh, company in America on a hotline whereby he said this to 
thousands of distributors all over the country and said, send me anyone who has got prostate cancer. And he said, uh, we feel certain that we can take care of it and disappear it within a matter of weeks. All right, so the guy goes for the oils. What kind of documentation, uh, A, of the original diagnosis is present, and B, what kind of uh, a documentation of a significant change or remission or whatever of the prostate uh, problem is there? In other words, what kind of documentation does he have? The two documented cases that I saw, one, uh, it was of the person's own family. They had been diagnosed by an MD. They had made all tests necessary to prove that he had advanced prostate cancer. Mm -hmm. And approximately six weeks later, he went back to the same doctor after going through this uh, non-aggressive treatment. And I say non-aggressive because it did not affect the immune system. If anything, it built it instead of destroying it. And six weeks later, he went back and the doctor said, I don't know what has happened and I don't know what you've done. But whatever it is, there are no signs whatsoever of prostate cancer. Well, I don't dismiss what you're talking about, Lindsay. I think it is entirely possible these kind of alternative uh, uh, treatments do work. As I said to you earlier last hour, though, it's very difficult to separate the wheat from the chaff and the good treatments that work from the fraud. And there's plenty of the latter. There's plenty of fraud out there. And uh, I guess that's what you try to do is separate these. Is that right? Well, that's my business, and that's the reason I'm asked day after day after day to lecture across America is because I've tried my best to intelligently sort out what is right and what is wrong. I have gone to the hospitals, I have talked with the patients, and I'm an author. Uh, I, my only job is to tell the American people what I find, and I think I can be much more honest that way because if I were an M.D., or a practicing physician, mm -hmm. uh, I could not say many of the things that oh, I'm saying I on the air tonight. Oh, I know. Why? Because I have a license. And if they have anything they can pull, then they come after you. You're absolutely correct. Um, you mentioned aggressive treatments. Well, uh, the traditional conventional wisdom treatment for cancer is chemotherapy or radiation or a combination of the two. And this extends to a lot of other diseases. In other words, the cure, it's, it's many times a race to see which kills you first, the disease or the cure. And they are kind of big, blunt instruments where you go and you kill um, cellular material, uh, quite a bit of it, and I guess uh, you try and kill the cancer before the cancer kills you. Is that about right? Well, either burn you up with radiation, mm. or pickle you with chemotherapy, or cut you apart, and in the meantime, they make, as a member uh, of our distant family, recently had leukemia. And by the time they got through with all the bone transplants and everything else, they died and they spent over $200,000. And the doctor really gave them no hope when they started. Hmm. So where are we? We go right back to what do we do about it? I'd like to get back to the subject of TB for a moment, if I may, because I'm finding that it is one of the most drastic of the new mutated substances uh, around today. And the Journal of the American Medical Association, again, is warning people. And in September 21, 1994 edition, they gave a very startling expose of a case in a certain prison. I think it was in Minnesota, no, in New York State. Uh, he said a certain source, a certain inmate, uh, was ill with undiagnosed multiple resistance tuberculosis. I'm reading right out of the AMA journal. He refused medical care. He lived in the general prison population. Uh, there he tra transmitted the disease to other inmates. 
and exposed 96 out of one out of 306 inmates. 30 percent of them uh, showed tests of having contracted the new strain of TB, mm. and I think something like uh, 28 of them died. And what they're saying is that this new strain of tuberculosis is so deadly and so lethal that it is spreading around this country, and in particular in the inner cities of our country. And if the immune system is not strong, and we've not eaten correctly and uh, taken care of our diet and the way we live, uh, we're in trouble when we come in contact with air airborne substance, and especially when we're traveling in aircraft where air is recirculated in airplanes. seen a number of stories about that lately. Well, American Airlines recently thought they had a suit on their hands because a known um, person on the airplane later was found to have the new strain of TB. And a number of people found out about it, and I guess American Airlines came very close to uh, a lawsuit. I don't know what finally happened to it. I was in... Here's one that I have the two papers right in front of me. I, I would think, though, uh, that in order to be uh, successful in a lawsuit of that sort, you would have to show malice. Uh, in other words, that uh, American was aware, uh, or any airline was aware, that uh, there was this disease and intentionally put people in danger, and I think that would be a rough road to hoe. Well, I have in front of me the Sedalia Democrat, Sedalia, Missouri newspaper. I was in Kansas City lecturing there this past year, and... They show a picture of a school teacher on the front getting a, well, let's see, a test for TB and also some sort of a vaccination or something. I was back in the state two months later, actually speaking in Sedalia, Missouri, short distance from Kansas City, and I again picked up the newspaper off the stand. Now, exactly two months later, toward the back of the newspaper, I quote, Garden City, Kansas, a tuberculosis outbreak in Finney County is worrying health officials, including one who says that the situation is nearly out of control mm -hmm. in too much time. It seems that Kansas and Missouri, for some strange reason, have a major outbreak of the new tuberculosis. And many of the inner cities of America likewise have the same. One doctor in uh, Orlando, Florida. Well, I'm, I've got a lot of people listening right now in Kansas and Missouri that are not going to be happy to hear that. Uh, when was this? All right. This uh, the first newspaper was dated August the 31st, and the second one was dated uh, of this of this year, 1993. Mm -hmm. And the second one is dated uh, October the 27th, 1993. Just a two-month period, and it's spreading in the schools. Of course, you probably noticed in. Um, let me dig it out here right quick. In what was it? Time magazine. In their article, they talked about the outbreak of tuberculosis in a certain area of uh, California. Let me read this one. Newspaper accounts publicized a startling flare-up of tuberculosis that was first detected last year in a high school in Westminster, California. Now, this is right out of the Newsweek uh, Time magazine. All right, Lindsay, at that point, I've got to hold you up for a moment. Relax. We'll be back to you after the bottom of the hour break. Lindsay Williams is my guest. His book is You Can Live. He talks about new diseases, and we're going to continue doing that. Is this appropriate bumper music or what? We're coming back from the break, and we'll open the telephone line. Stay right where you are. You're listening to the CBC Radio Network.
Kingdom of God. This is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell on the CBC Radio Network. Good morning. Welcome. My guest is Lindsay Williams. See, I couldn't resist that music. And he's talking about new diseases. He wrote a book called You Can Live. He has a videotape. We will find out about that. Also, right on target, this. Here is, uh, we're going back now to Lindsay Williams. Our dear guest warned of problems with vaccinations and went so far as to warn mothers to avoid having their children uh, vaccinated. However, here and in many other areas, a child can't even be registered for school without presenting a doctor's certificate proving the child has had certain vaccinations. Could you ask your guest to respond to this? It's Ron in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, Respond to it, Lindsay. Yes, Ron. Uh, I understand that there's not a state in America that it is mandatory by law to have vaccinations. Now, I may be wrong in some that have passed laws just recently, but from what I understood recently, they will harass you, they will intimidate you, but there is a form that you can sign whereby your child can go to school, and if there's an epidemic of some type in the school, they will in turn have your child stay out of school for a period of time, or if your child comes down with something, they likewise will ask you to keep them at home. Um, if the new health care bill passes, which is before Congress right now, Mr. Clinton's health care bill... Well, it's not going to. Well, <laughs> I think you're right. Uh, but we won't talk about politics tonight. There'd be another two hours. <laughs> uh, but if it does, it is mandatory vaccination for every child in America and up to a $15,000 fine, and your take children can be taken from your home by child services if you do not give them the vaccination. But mm-hmm. until this point... There are still forms you can sign and get around it. And as far as I know, every state in the country, but let me warn you, they will harass you, they'll intimidate you, and there is an alternative method, homeschool. Well, that's true. There is homeschool, but that, that's not an option everybody can exercise, Lindsay. Very true. All right, look, we're going to open the telephone lines, uh, Lindsay. Let me quickly give the numbers out. We're talking about new diseases. If you have questions, here's how to pose them. Call. First-time callers are always welcome at area code 702-727-1222. 702-727-1222. The wild card direct dial lines are area code 702-727-1295. 702-727-1295. If you are east of the Great Rocky Mountains, anywhere east of the Rockies, Call us toll-free at 1-800-618-8255. 1-800-618-8255. Toll-free. All right. Well, that was a lot to get out, uh, Lindsay. But if you're ready, let's go to the lines. You, you all set? All ready. All right. Um, on the toll-free line, you're on the air with Lindsay Williams. Hi. Hello, Art. Uh, where, are you, where, where are you calling from? This is Jerry calling from Minneapolis. Yes, Jerry. Just this uh, last afternoon, I sustained an injury that required me to get to the ER and get some stitches. I was basically coerced into getting a tetanus shot. Reading the potential complications on their disclosure sheet uh, concerned me. Do you have information about the dangers of uh, tetanus shots? All right, good question. Yes, and when you re- read that disclosure, uh, I have read one similar recently for people who wanted to get the new flu vaccine, and it is scary what they asked you to give up in order to be able to take that. In fact, the flu vaccine form even said 
there can be no suits uh, initiated against this company. You cannot hold them responsible for anything that happens. Now, they would never ask that if they did not know that oftentimes it does happen. Any comment, caller? Well, I, I, I just really felt like, I mean, even though I got very good care from them, I felt kind of violated, and I felt like, uh, like I said, like I was coerced and forced in a corner and expected to sign and expected to get this shot, whether I needed it or not. Yes, that's true. And they will harass, they'll intimidate. Remember, the doctors made money off of that, but they're also protecting themselves because if they happen not to get it and you did get that particular uh, malady, then they could be sued. So they protect themselves. Uh, well, I wonder how much of this uh, uh, this apparent uh, intimidation or intrusion that he felt does come from all the litigation that's uh, uh, going on, Lindsay. In other words, uh, they they really press you very hard on certain things, not not for your sake, for their sake. Oh, positively. And after all, remember, they made money off of that shot. Oh, well, that's true. Of course they did. Uh, on the uh, wild card line, you're on the air with Lindsay Williams. Hi. Hi. My name's Diana, and I want to thank you so much for doing this work, Lindsay Williams. This is incredible. Diana, where are you? I'm in Santa Rosa, okay. California. Very good. And I'd like to know if you know anything about parasites. I've been battling what I now believe are rat mites in my house and on my body for a year, and I believe there's a terrible medical cover-up. I've been sent to the city back and forth. It was nothing conclusive, although they've prescribed just tons of stuff for me, this Urex cream, Elamite, all kinds of stuff, and I can't get rid of them in, in my environment. I have cut them down to about a half by getting rid of this humongous silk tree that totally enveloped my whole property. But it just goes on and on. I wonder if you know anything about parasitic invasions. Yes, I have heard much about that lately. In fact, there are a number of doctors around the country who are treating that particular thing, and they have most of their practice in dealing with it now because it is so predominant. Wow. So you're not by yourself. Well, you're along with thousands of others out there. Hmm? You are with thousands of others who are having the same problem, and I do quite often hear about it. I've given, been given the runaround by the city, by the county, the Department of Ag. I've been told I'm delusional. I've heard remarks outside the door, yeah, we see some kind of eggs, but nothing conclusive. And then they come in and say, nothing's wrong with you, but we'll give you 40 tubes of your axe cream. No, it is for real. Uh, don't let them tell you that it's a figment of your mind or imagination. And many doctors would be more than happy to uh, help you know just how realistic it is, because thousands of people have the same problem. I've spent $3,000, and I've been to at least 12 different doctors, and I can't find one. All right, ma'am, uh, we're going to hold it there. Uh, Lindsay, as you well know, we must be careful, and we cannot do any, di will not do any diagnosis on the air. Uh, you are not a doctor. You don't prescribe, and you cannot prescribe here on the air, and I want the audience to be careful not to put you in a position of even asking. Yes, I would not give any names out on the air. All right. Um, on the toll-free line, you're on the air with Lindsay Williams. Hello. Hello, this is Sarah from Columbia, Missouri. Columbia, Missouri, yes. Uh, uh, what would you do about premenstrual syndrome? PMS. Uh, yeah, that's a good question, actually. That's a big problem in society, uh, Lindsay. Uh, PMS really is. Uh, any comments on it? There again, if I commented, I'm sure as a listener would like me to, I would uh, be diagnosing. And you must understand that as an author only, I have centered most all of my attention on the new microbial mutations rather than on particular uh, 
uh, ailments. ailments of a person's body. All right, while so, we're on that subject, then I'll turn you from that and uh, turn you toward the new bug that ate my face, this awful strep thing. Uh, what's going on with that, Lindsay? Oh, you mean the new flesh-eating disease? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, it definitely is a reality. It is still active. And uh, quite interestingly, it is a, another mutation. Now, they say it's been around for a long time. Ah, yes. that's it. I have this feeling they're lying to us about this stuff. I, it just it just is too weird, Lindsay. And, and, and I, I'm... I'm I think they would automatically lie. In other words, they want to, at any cost, it seems like, or even the cost of the whole human race someday, avoid panicking the people. Well, uh, yes. And, of course, let me read two articles that I just pulled out here, just briefly uh, tell you what they said. The first article that ever came out on that was uh, June the 10th, 1994, and it was, uh, oh, let's see... I guess it was a day prior to that. No, the New York Times, first article ever came out with it. And they announced it on September the 8th, 1994. And they said that the flesh-eating disease was a virus. Right. The very following day, or just a few days later, they came out with another uh, report and said it's a bacteria. Then they came out later, after they had time to grow some cultures, and said that it's a bacteria that contains a virus. Now, the truth of the wow. matter is, it's a microbial mutation. It has been around. They're exactly right. It's been around for hundreds of years, known. But when it mutates from one form to another and becomes a literal new disease of which they've never grown a culture before, then they have to think up a new name for it. Uh, and in the case of the flesh-eating disease, they said, sure, antibiotics will cure it. And I immediately called a doctor friend of mine in Vero Beach, Florida, and I said, well, will antibiotics take care of it? He said, sure. I said, how long does it take an antibiotic to take effect? Oh, he said, 24 to 48 hours. He said, that's where the problem is. He said, within 12 hours, you can be dead with a flesh-eating disease because it eats one inch per hour. So what good does the antibiotic do? Now, uh, could that, whatever it is, um, mutate to the degree that uh, an antibiotic would not be affected, uh, effective in 24 hours or 100? Oh, positively. In fact, in Fortune magazine, and it's quite interesting that a magazine like this would carry a, med a medical article, but it was September 1993, I believe it was. It called a killer microbes. Bacteria have developed a scary resistance to antibiotics, spawning deadly infections doctors sometimes can't treat. Uh, we could go on and on and on with periodicals that have said these things are mutating, and then this article in Fortune was so interesting. It said the hunt is on for a new wonder drug. So now they want a super drug to take care of a super bug. And then when that super bug again mutates to a super, super bug, then where are they going to get super, super drugs? And how fast can they create them to depress the immune system before we have the plague again? Well, <laughs> pretty sobering stuff. I Yeah, the bugs are going to be around, I suppose, forever. Uh, we uh, think we will be around forever, but I guess it is a race, and I wonder, I have this sickening feeling that bugs in the end are going to win. <laughs> but never on the face of the earth have we ever had a medical science that is using chemical substances and antibiotics right. contrary right. to the nature of this body. Therefore, we have created a monstrosity today that no medicine in all of history has ever encountered 
But the people out there in the listening audience really have nothing to fear whatsoever because the Lord put in these bodies when he created them an immune system, and if that immune system is allowed to operate correctly, we didn't have these mutations in the past because the immune system did that job. But that was before antibiotics. All right, well, here's the what's a mother to do question again. Uh, Lindsay, uh, most of us have lived, you know, a normal life, and that means we eat uh, granulated sugar. I do. Um, many of us smoke. Some of us drink. We're exposed to toxins uh, every day uh, in this modern world, and there's not a whole lot uh, th that we can do to not be exposed. So uh, if, if modern life is killing our immune systems, what do we do to counter that? Well, of course, one of the greatest things we can do is through our diet, eat correctly, and then, of course, use... Well, you had a perfect advertisement on your program a moment ago, and by the way, congratulations. Pignogenals? Oh, they should sell one batch of product. And just recently, I was uh, I had a rally sponsored by a health food store in Shreveport, Louisiana, and they said that that product is working miracles. Uh, they spoke very highly of it. I'm hearing that, yes. And if products such as that, and by the way, congratulations, Art, for advertising that product. If products like that were used by people, um, well, they can solve much of the problem, and I'm quite sure that you use it from what you say. I am using it, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, not, not, because, not because I have any, uh, you know, similar or any particular ailment uh, to be complaining about, but just because it sounds good. Uh, I do understand a lot of people have had very good effects, though. Now, let me ask you this. There was a recent story, uh, Lindsay, a um, very curious story about that woman, Ramirez, I believe her name was, uh, who expired and had deadly fumes, they thought, coming from her body. Well, the doctor got sick. The emergency room attendants got sick. Several of them uh, were nauseated. A few passed out. I mean, it was really serious. And they kept the whole damn thing secret. Then they came out and they said, well, we think that it was mass hysteria. That one person got sick for some unrelated reason. Everybody else got hysterical and they got sick too. That seemed ridiculous. So they came out then with another explanation uh, saying that, no, now we think it's sewer fumes. And uh, that uh, somehow got into the, into the room where she was being worked on. And now, finally, yet another report that says, no, uh, her blood had some kind of chemical in it. When it mixed with oxygen, it caused uh, what in, was, in essence, a biological warfare agent, making those people sick. I don't trust them, Lindsay. They lie. They don't tell us the truth. And I don't know what happened to this woman, but I'm highly suspicious. What about you? The truth of the matter is, we will probably never know the truth. And an explanation is the Denver Post, dated August the 13th, 1993. Mm -hmm. It seems that the editor of the Denver Post went to the Department of Health in, a, in uh, Colorado and said, many of my readers are wanting to know about the Hunter virus. How many states has it spread to and how many people have died from it? And I'm going to read right out of the Denver Post, which I gave you the date, on what the reply that's in quotes by the Department of Health individual, he said, we don't want people to get hysterical, therefore I will not answer your question. <laughs> now, that, it just so happens I had this one in front of me. I used it in my lecture. 
Uh, oh, that's right. really just such a comforting answer. We don't want people to get hysterical, so I refuse to answer. The truth of the matter oh, is, it's great. Uh, because of people like you, and radio talk show hosts are doing the greatest job of telling the American people the truth of any any class of people in, the, in America. And I say congratulations because you allow people like me to get on the air and tell what I find as I travel from city to city around America. And you expose the truth as it really is. So keep up the great work. And this is probably the only place that some people are going to actually get the truth. Well, um... It may be, uh, but there's no guarantee of that, Lindsay. Uh, in other words, we are a forum, and I'm glad that we are here, and I'm glad that we can do this kind of thing in America, and it's what freedom and uh, freedom of speech is all about. But uh, listeners also have to be cautious that what they hear here from Lindsay Williams or a caller or me uh, is not necessarily the gospel according to anybody at all. You know, it could be absolute baloney. Well, you may have noticed that I very, very meticulously through this entire two-hour program have yeah. been extremely cautious to I document. Agree. I agree. Your, your documentation has been flawless. On the toll-free line, call us toll-free at 1-800-618-8255. Now, let's try it again, my friend. Uh, oh, one okay. of the things we don't allow in this program is for people to use their last name. So Sorry. give us your first name and where you're calling from. This is Terry, and I'm calling from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Very good. Okay, uh, I'm calling about my mother. She has been doctoring with Gillian Bure and what's the other thing? And Sjogren. Uh, it's something to do with the immune system. And they have her on steroids. Did no, you ever hear of e any one of these two diseases? There again, I'm going to have to beg out, mainly because I deal strictly with the new mutated uh, microbial mutations and to... Since I'm not an MD, uh -huh. uh, to say that I know about a certain particular product, uh -huh. uh, right? All right, that's uh, not my line. Caller, listen on the air, though. Your uh, point suggests a question. What is the function uh, of steroids? Steroids, I know, build things up, possibly at the expense of something or another. What What is it? Steroids do, Lindsay? Um. There again, I'm going to have to beg off because we're dealing with a particular product. That no, no, we're not. Steroids are a group of uh, drugs. There are many, many different types of uh, steroids. You know, like the athletes use them for bodybuilding. Uh, they are given to people with uh, asthma, for example, uh, to build up the lungs. There are steroid inhalers. There's all kinds of steroids, and I guess they build something. Uh, yes, I've heard a lot about what has happened to the athletes who have overused steroids. That's right. And, of course, it has caused some major health problems for them. No question about it. Toll-free line, very, very quickly on the toll-free line with Lindsay Williams. Are you there? Yes, I am. I have two questions. Okay, where are you? Uh, New Orleans. New Orleans. All right, what do you have? I'm going to do if you have to have mandatory vaccination for schools, and also my husband's epileptic, and he can't do without his medication. And I'll hang up and listen. All right, thank you. A lot of people like that, Lindsay. They take medication for this or that, and they've, they've got to take it uh, for their condition, or they think they do. What would you say? That well, they're going down the wrong track? Definitely do what your physician says. Don't stop your medication. At the same time, start looking for alternative methods of things that don't necessarily hurt the body, that... Uh, would help that immune system. Well, that's good advice. We're going to again hold you over, Lindsay. Stay there. 
Lindsay Williams is my guest. He's talking about new diseases. We'll do another hour. This is CBC. Kingdom of Nye. This is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell on the CBC Radio Network. Now, once again, here's Art. You have just connected with the largest, fastest growing talk show in this time slot in America. It's called Coast to Coast AM. Good morning, I'm Art Bell. We're talking with, um, yes, I've got a guest. His name is Lindsay Williams. He has written a book called You Can Live. He has a videotape. We haven't talked about that yet, but we will this hour. We've been talking about new diseases. That's the subject. The new strep A, AIDS, the plague in India, uh, new diseases. Diseases that, uh, Mr. Lindsay says, if we uh, don't begin to change our habits one day soon, may ravage the entire human race, and in a very short amount of time, indeed, literally, possibly, within hours. We'll get back to Lindsay in just a moment. I want to repeat, uh, do not call. We're going to lean heavily on uh, callers this hour. Don't call Lindsay, please, and ask him to diagnose anything that's wrong with you. He's not a doctor. We're not going to do that. And even if we had a doctor here, we wouldn't do it over the phone. So don't ask. Here is a fax, Lindsay, that I want you to comment. Art? Could you ask your guest his opinion of the following premise? Are the new lethal and treatment-resistant diseases perhaps a necessity? I'll explain. Upon examination, nature seems to be a self-correcting system. For example, when the natural predator of a given animal species is eliminated, it will quickly increase in number. If starvation doesn't bring down the size, invariably a disease will crop up and kill a big percentage of that population, thus creating a balance and eliminating the threat posed to the ecosystem. Scientists have speculated on the human population limit the Earth can sustain. But given our present primitive understanding of the greater ecosystem, could that number not be much smaller due to a variety of factors that's presently believed? Perhaps we are, in fact, very, uh, very close to that figure now, and nature is beginning, with vigor, to correct the echo threat we pose. The natural system is quite efficient. If the above hypothesis is correct, is there really anything we can do, save perhaps significantly lowering our numbers to stave off what is to come? From Dan in Reno. What about that, uh, Lindsay? Because of the use of wonder drugs, antibiotics, vaccinations, we have saved the lives of so many millions of people over the past 30 to 40 years. And that is correct, the hypothesis that he has just suggested. We have increased population on the face of the earth to a point that it probably has never been before, ever in all of history. It appears that we have created our own demise. And very readily, what he has just said appears to me is going to take place. Well, so then... Um what good the advice of, of Lindsay Williams to bolster your immune system and do this or that, whatever your videotape and books suggest, what good is it if, uh, if we're all going to, or many or most of us are going to perish? I guess you're preaching individual survival? Well, I personally would like to be one of the survivors. 
I hear and you. I think there are millions of other Americans there that don't know what to do, that if they knew what to do, would likewise like to be amongst that group that do survive and make it through, because after all, what a wonderful world it's going to be after all that's over with. So, yes, I definitely feel that there are many people listening to your program tonight who would like to be amongst the survivors. I'd say that's probably a safe bet. On the toll-free line, you're on the air with Lindsay Williams. Where are you calling from, please? Hello there. Hello. Hello. Turn your radio off, ma'am. Turn your radio off. Okay. Okay. All right. Where are you calling from? Uh, Boardman, Ohio. Okay. Welcome to the program. Uh, Do you have a question? Yes. I was wondering if your guest... uh, I've started a course in alternative medicine at the local university. And they were suggesting acupuncture for a uh, thing called atrial fibrillation in your heart. Does he know anything about that? All right, thank you. There are many, many alternative medicines that work and many, many uh, different uh, ideas, such as you've just mentioned, that are being proposed by the colleges around the country. Um, I suggest anyone that you feel that works for you is what you should do. Lindsay, there's a, uh, there are a lot of uh, doctors out there, and you, as you point out, they've got a license. But not all doctors are money-grubbing, uh, golf course, uh, uh, playing uh, uh, business people. There are doctors out there pledged to and faithful to the oath they took, and they want to cure, and I'm convinced of it. And uh, so where are all these doctors if this alternative stuff is so good then uh, it seems to me at least a percentage of the doctors, the goodens, uh, would be out there screaming at the top of their lungs um, about um, what would really cure somebody. Where are these doctors? Well, fortunately, I have been talking with many of them recently. Most of them are so afraid of the powers that be that they speak very quietly. But you're right. There are thousands of doctors out there. For instance... Five years ago when I wrote my book, You Can Live, I could not find an American doctor, or I'm sorry, an American dentist, to write the chapter in the book on mercury fillings. I had to get a Mexican doctor, a Mexican dentist, to write the chapter on mercury fillings. Uh, We're going to be rewriting the book, possibly, when this edition is finished. And I have a number of American doctors now that are saying, we would love to write that chapter for you as a doctor in America, but yet five years ago they were scared to death to do it. I'm glad you mentioned mercury fillings. Uh, Lindsay, I, I'm getting some dental work done right now. And last time, or the time before I think it was, I was at the dentist. I, I've got a good relationship with my dentist. And uh, we talk about all kinds of things, political and otherwise. And so I'm sure I was getting what my dentist believed. And I asked her about mercury fillings. And she said, that's a bunch of nonsense that, um, yes, indeed, uh, you could absorb some mercury, um, but over a very long period of time, the amount you would absorb uh, scientifically would not, uh, would, would not harm you. Um, how, how do you counter that? Oh, I would counter it by some books that have actually been written within the past year's time by dentists. In fact, I was with one in Seattle, Washington, just a matter of weeks ago. He will not put mercury in anyone's mouth. In fact, he says that there is a, a, an association of doctors now across America that have refused to use mercury anymore. There are numerous books that have been written on this subject telling how deadly this stuff really is by people in the medical profession themselves, by the doctors. Mm. And I would urge, before you 
Um, listen to your dentist, but at the same time, explore reading one of these books. And when you do, uh, give me a call, and uh, I'll be glad to refer you to a doctor in many different places across America that even refuse to use mercury in amalgam. Well, I don't think most dentists are using mercury now, are they? It's mostly an amalgam of some sort? Uh, quite to the contrary. They are doctors using Doctors still use mercury. In fact, the doctor who, who is a Mexican doctor who wrote the chapter in my book on mercury fillings was asked to speak to the Dental Association in San Diego, California, so he came across the border from Tijuana, mm-hmm. and after he finished, he said, why don't you American doctors, now these, this is his word privately to me, he said, why don't you American doctors tell the American people the truth? Why do you have to ask a person from Tijuana to come over and speak to your dental association? And the response was, if the American people, now this is his personal words to me, almost verbatim, if I can remember it correctly, he said, if the American people knew the truth about how deadly mercury is, the American Dental Association would have so many suits on their hand that they could never handle them. All right, I promised uh, heavy listener participation this hour. I'd better stick up to it. On the toll-free line, you're on the air with Lindsay Williams. Where are you calling from, please? Hello there. No, you're not there. On the toll-free line, uh, make that first-time caller line. You're on with Lindsay Williams. Hi. Well, hello, Art. Hello. Let's make it through. Um, <clears throat> been listening to the program. Where are you? Uh, Reno. Okay. Um, and agree with uh, 95% of uh, the conversations going on here tonight, except for the fact that uh, I feel Mr. Williams is... Um, I think he's uh, he's raking up a lot of fear and a lot of scaremongering in people. In uh, well, give us a specific uh, where you feel there's been scaremongering. Uh, in the fact that um, if there are these, if there are so many diseases that are waiting to pounce on the American public, right, that exist in the hospitals today, and they can be spread throughout. Uh, well, they can be spread, say, through the simple means of aircraft and airlines and air circulation systems, then why hasn't it happened already? Well, okay, Uh, that's a fair question. Lindsay, why hasn't it happened already? Why hasn't the human race rolled over on its back with all four four, uh, in the air? Well, as, let's see, uh, as Newsweek magazine said it in their article, The End of Antibiotics, it said that it's only a matter of time until that particular virus or bacteria does appear at the point that the people's immune systems become so weak that it will do the very thing that the individual has just talked about. Uh, Time magazine basically said the same thing, and the latest article in some of the medical periodicals and even this course being taught at the University um, of Wisconsin is saying that, get ready, it's only a matter of time. Now, why has it happened yet? Well, antibiotics and vaccinations and wonder drugs have only been on the market for 40 to 50 years, but we have finally arrived at the point now mm-hmm. that every major periodical, including the Journal of the American Medical Association, Time, 60 Minutes, 48 Hours, all of the others, are saying we have arrived at that point. It's just a matter of time. All right, Lindsay, that's a good answer. Uh, on the wild card line, you're on the air with Lindsay Williams. Hi. Hello, Mr. Bell. Good evening. My name is Ron. I'm calling from Seattle. Yes, Ron. And uh, Mr. Williams. um, uh, Well, first of all, let me say you've covered so many things. I want to talk about so many things, but that's impossible. Uh, First, let me say in regards to mercury, I had all my mercury fillings removed about a year ago, and I have since had no allergies ever since. Congratulations, Uh, Ron. Yeah, thank you. 
uh, one thing in, in regards to that for the audience. Colin, um, I, I want to ask a question. Sure. Well, you went to a dentist. Obviously, you had to find a dentist that thought mercury was bad and agreed to remove them. Is that what you did? And if so, what did your dentist tell you about them? Well, first of all, I did a lot of research uh, through the Huggins Institute in, in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And I did some reading on the, on the topic. And well, what I, yeah, but my question is, when you went to your dentist and said, look, I want all my mercury fillings out, what did your dentist tell well, you? Well, I, I didn't go to my regular dentist. Okay. I, I had to leave him totally because he said the same thing to me that your dentist said to you. Okay. That there's nothing wrong with him, et cetera. So who I, did, I, well, I don't want a name, but I mean, how did you finally find somebody? Uh, I, I did my research and, and read some books, and I finally found somebody by contacting the Huggins Institute in Colorado Springs, and they have a list of dentists that uh, do not put mercury fillings in people's mouths. All right, and you sought to have these removed because you thought they were the, the causative agent of your allergies? Well, not necessarily that they were the cause of my allergies, but I also had suffered from depression for a lot of years. And so I, I, I felt it was worth the try, and it was worth spending the money. And you're saying it worked? It, it definitely worked. Uh, definitely. Lindsay, um, why would we not think that it would be a, a sort of psychological pl placebo? Uh, depression is a mental condition, um, and he thought it was caused by that, had it removed, and how, do, how, are we, how can we not know that it's just a placebo? Well, I, I think we, each individual is their own best doctor. By knowing yourself and knowing your, you know, right. That's a that, okay, sir. That's a fair question, uh, Lindsay. The question goes to you, though, because a dentist who knows the issues, many of whom have written books on this subject, know the chemical makeup of the body and how that mercury is affecting it, even into the brain. Hmm. And when you read after some of these doctors, uh, they say it positively is not a psychological thing at all. It is for real a a. Uh, a chemical process that takes place in the body that is affecting them to cause that. All right, good enough. Uh, on the wild card line, you're on the air with Lindsay Williams. Hello. Hello, uh, Mr. Williams. I'm familiar with your works out of uh, Seattle, Washington's Prep Expo. Yes. And uh, I, I, I did was on the last health one. I also had my medical pills taken out in the last year. Uh, to the Health Huggins Institute notified me a doctor in Seattle. But the one thing that I would like to... Uh, ask you is if you could comment on oxygen and ozone therapy and some of the works by Ed McCabe. All right, uh, there it is. Uh, that oxygen-ozone therapy that 60 Minutes tried to expose not long ago, what do you think of that, Lindsay? I have seen some excellent results from it. Uh, I have never tried it myself. Um, I do know Ed McCabe. I have been on the same platform with, with him in speaking engagements mm -hmm. uh, at the Preparedness Expos, but i uh, I would say that the reports and the case histories that he has are very outstanding, that not only he, but many others have of ozone therapy, and I think it's only a matter of time until it proves to be what they say it is. Uh, all right. Uh, very good. Uh, I want, want, we're going to pause here for a second. Hold on just a second, Lindsay. We'll be right back to you. Yes, I, too, have heard a lot about that, but it's, uh, of course, very controversial. Going to the bottom of the hour, but we've got time for a quick call. Wildcard line, you're on with Lindsay Williams. Yeah, this is Doc from Roseburg. Hello, Doc. Evening. Uh, interesting program tonight. Yes, sir. Uh, Mr. Lindsay, I come from Connecticut originally, and, of course, the big uh, story there medically is the new disease, Lyme disease. Yeah, so you're all familiar with that. Yes, I have heard a lot of reports about it. What, uh, what are your thoughts about uh, the subject in general? 
the Lyme disease was one of the diseases listed in the laboratory medicine magazine of the American Society of Clinical Pathologists in the November 1994 edition. And they actually talk about it being one of the possible mutations from an old form of something that existed many years ago, but now, of course, is much more aggressive. And they actually talk about this in the magazine. By any chance, have you heard any of the uh, read any of the writings of uh, Spielman or Bergdorf or Sterl uh, on the Lyme disease? Yes, I have read many articles. I'm not quite sure whether by that particular person. I'm looking here to see who well, actually Bergdorf or Sterl or Spielman, either of those three. Okay, and what do they say? Well, I was wondering if you read anything about them yourself. I don't know that I've read after those particular people. Okay, but another, not to change the subject quickly. Uh, I've got a young child who's being harassed about, or we're being harassed about the uh, whooping cough shot that you've talked about as being so dangerous. Have they got anything new on the market that might be safer in terms of an inoculation? All right, uh, we'll have to hold it there. Lindsay? Well, many years ago, they said the vaccinations were safe. They, of course, gave the polio vaccination. Later on, they admitted it was contaminated with SB40. Uh, how much can we depend on them? Uh, anything being perfectly safe for the next 40 years of what might appear? Another AIDS? Are we going to take the chance? But why not use what the body has naturally? the immune system, and let it take care of itself. All right, Lindsay, on that note, hold on. We're at the bottom of the hour. Lindsay Williams, who has authored a book called You Can Live and is talking about new diseases. We'll be right back. Here is a question for Lindsay. It's a good way to launch this. In the military, I was told about the use of vectors not the kind of vectors used in geometry. They're carriers, like mosquitoes, black flies, and other various biting, blood-sucking insects. They're used to infect the enemy with biological warfare agents. Could these new diseases be spread in this manner, specifically AIDS, Ebola, cholera, and this flesh-eating disease? I know fleas were natural vectors for the black death. And, uh, Lindsay, what about vectors? Oh, Lorraine Day says there's no question but that mosquitoes have the capability of transmitting the AIDS virus. And just recently I was uh, given the documentation on the number of people in an Alaskan village. Now, Alaska in the summertime probably has more mosquitoes than any place in the world. Mm -hmm. And there's a village called... Uh, They're big ones, too, Lindsay. Oh, they call it the uh, Alaska bird. I lived there a number of years. Yes, so did I. <laughs> hey, great. We'll have to talk about that. And there's a village down on Kachemak Bay that I think something like uh, 50 to 60 percent of the people are showing up uh, HIV positive now. You're being heard all over Alaska right now, Lindsay. Oh. Anchorage, Fairbanks, uh, all the uh, major, even minor cities in Alaska, so they can hear you up there. In fact, I think it appeared in the Holman newspaper, if I remember correctly, or the Anchorage newspaper. Someone there sent me the article about it. And they said that it, many people there are accounting it to possibility of the mosquito transmitting it. So, yes, these vectors that he's speaking of uh, could be for real. Lorraine Day says they positively are. Mm -hmm. On the wild card line, you're on the air with Lindsay Williams. Hello. Hello there. Uh, this is uh, Mickey uh, in Belltown, downtown Seattle. Yes, hi. Um, I have a, a question because I've often, I have uh, chronic fatigue syndrome, 
and then all of the other things that go along with it. And it seems to me that is a new uh, complaint. I hadn't heard about it before. Uh, is this something that is a mutation? or? Uh... All right, that is a really good question, ma'am. Uh, Lindsay, there are a lot of uh, blankety-blank syndromes appearing these days. A lot of people tend to say, well, these people are faking it, or it's a bunch of baloney, chronic fatigue, we'll call it chronic laziness, uh, and there is no real disease. Uh, is there a real disease, do you think, Lindsay? Oh, they definitely aren't faking it. There's no question about it, but that it's real. And when you break down the immune system to the point that we have in the world today, then eat the foods that we're eating that don't have the nutrients, then breathe in the pollutants that you would have in downtown Seattle, and I was just recently there, by the way. Um, what do we expect? So our environment today has created a uh, catastrophe. But, of course, there are many supplements that you can help to relieve that, and your local health food store can probably help you. This is the end of Side 1. Please leave the cassette exactly where it is. Continue with your calls to the Kingdom of Nine and Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. Now here again is Art. Here again, I am back to Lindsay in just a moment. We're trying to take care of our commercial obligations here so we can sort of proceed uninterrupted. We're talking about new diseases. It is pretty scary stuff. And basically, Lindsay contends that antibiotics, population... Uh, the use of uh, uh, toxins and all the rest of it is breaking down our immune systems. And that soon something's liable to come along and, frankly, will take us out. And uh, we'll get back to Lindsay in just, uh, just a moment. All right, here's where we'll plug your book and your tape. Now, uh, you've written a book called You Can Live, and you have a videotape that presumably goes into all the things you're talking about, correct? That is correct, Art. All right. How do they get your book and or slash videotape? Well, I would like to give the book away tonight. Give and it away? That's correct. I said it's give it away. Lindsay. 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 Well, we need to talk about this for a second. Uh, there are more people out there than you know of, that you know, Lindsay, and uh, you better be uh, very careful about what you, what you offer here. Are you sure you want to do that? When a person buys the videotape, okay. I would like to make a gift. Now, this is not a pocket-sized book. This is a library shelf size full-length book of 200-something pages. Uh, it's quite interesting. A moment ago, uh, my wife walked in and she said, boy, she said, this is really getting heavy tonight. She said, can't you tell something jovial? Well, I know we don't usually tell jokes on the air, but uh, this is not a joke. I would like to give you a copy of my book, You Can Live, because I feel such... Uh, okay, let me go a step further. My videotape is not copywritten. Now, this may also startle you. And I'm begging those in the listening audience, when you get the videotape, to copy it, send it to as many friends as you can, send it all over the country. I don't have time for greed because we're living too close to the danger zone. And it is a full one-hour documentary on deadly new diseases. And you're giving permission for it to be copied here and now? Oh, please do. In fact, I'm asking you to copy it. One person, and it was quite interesting, it was in Seattle, the other day when I was there, 
She said, I've copied your tape 300 times and sent it all across America. I said, thank you so very much for helping me get the truth out every way you can. All right. That's, that's pretty impressive. Uh, how much is the videotape? The videotape is $25. $25. Bucks. And $4 for postage, packaging, and handling. And you can get it from the following address if you wish. Get uh, right to video. Uh, um, I, I'll tell you, Lindsay, uh, is there a phone number? Oh, there is a phone number. All right. You're going to have a lot more luck giving out the phone number than you are the address. Well, the phone number is for credit card use only. I see. Okay. Well, we'll take both. What is... First, give me the phone number. Our phone number is 800-321-2900, and that is a 24-hour line. There are people standing by right now. All right. And there will be two things given to them with the videotape. Number one, a copy of my book, You Can Live, and also a condensed uh, where people can find help. Uh, we're intentionally doing this because so many people have asked tonight, where can we find an answer to all of this? That's right. And I want them to know that there is something out there that I don't mention products on the air. I don't work for any company. Uh, I do not sell any products. I'm a lecturer and author only. But if you want to know what the doctors say will work, there are books that you can, uh, at least we give you an idea as to where you can find the information. So we'll give you that condensed pamphlet. We'll also give you a copy of my book, You Can Live. The videotape uh, is $25 plus $4 for postage and handling. And this is a one-hour video. A doctor in Phoenix, Arizona, actually gives the statistics on vaccinations. Mm -hmm. We talk about, we go into the, to the lab, and you see the cultures grown. The doctors explain why all this has happened. And there are interviews with doctors around the country as well as a portion of the tape I narrate as a portion of a lecture. But actual documentation from doctors themselves on TB, AIDS, and also the soldiers that came back from the Middle East. We have a lengthy documentary on the anthrax shot, which was given to the soldiers, and all of this on the videotape. Hmm. Now, if you'd like to order it by mail and you do not use a credit card, right. just write to video. Just make the check payable to video. Box 234, very simple, Box 234, McKenna, Washington. Spell it. M-C, the second word, K-E-N-N-A, McKenna, Washington, and the zip code 98558, just video. Box 234, McKenna, Washington, 98558. Or uh, call 1-800-321-2900, right? And there are people standing by on those lines right now to take your order for credit card only. I suspect they're probably sitting there. Uh, well, they have been for a while because they were hoping tonight that we could give this out. Now, also in the lectures that I give around the country, there are usually doctors that are asked to come to the lectures who are, are MDs, mm -hmm. but follow the alternative medicine line. And I will be lecturing next weekend in Houston, Texas, and in the audience will be... As far as I know right now, two doctors, uh, very reputable individuals who will be there to answer people's questions. And if you'd like to attend my lecture in Houston, Texas, uh, a week from now, you can call 713-587-2020, and they can tell you the place of the lecture. But we do this all around the country because I don't want to leave people with a feeling of no hope because it's quite to the contrary. Well, you're uh, offered to have the tape copied uh seems very sincere to me, Lindsay. Um, um, this tells me you want to get the information out instead of just making a bunch of money. That's good. On the wild card line, you're on the air with Lindsay Williams. Hello. Hi. 
Hi. It's really nice to get through. I've been trying for some time. It's been very interesting. I'm um, Kathy from Phoenix. Yes, Kathy. Yes, and um, oh, I'm so excited to get through. Um, I've been involved in herbs for a long time because my husband died from cancer when he was 28 years old in 1975. So I've been studying the herbs, and I've had wonderful luck with the herbs, and especially the Chinese herbs as they affect your immune system. And I've dealt with a particular company. I won't say the company on the air, but gosh, they seem to have known about this for a long time. Recently, my 8-year-old daughter came down with some flu-like symptoms, and I don't go to doctors. Well, I didn't know if it was going to be bacterial or viral. So I called up my friend who's kind of like an upline distributor and uh, supervisor in this company, and she she just said, well, get one of each. If it's viral, get use this, and if it's bacterial, bone set will help with uh, all the flu symptoms. I said, bone set? What in the heck is that? She said, well, it's an herb, and it'll help all the flu symptoms. And then this other one is a viral remedy. It's a conglomeration of Chinese herbs that boost the immune system. And, all right. Uh, well, the, all these are very good points, ma'am. Um, uh, Lindsay... Could we stop the use of penicillins, stop the use of virtually every other uh, chemical me- medicine we have devised, go to herbal treatment and alternative treatments, and, uh, and be in much better shape? Humanity did prior to 50 years ago, and they got along quite well. People living in the rainforest today who have no knowledge of modern-day civilization use the bark, the leaves, the herbs, and uh, they say they can cure most anything imaginable except maybe Ebola. Yeah, but sometimes they also drop dead of infections. It could be cured with a little shot of penicillin, right? Uh, yes, but then if they built up that immune system deficiency as a result of the use of the penicillin, then the next uh, one might get them. So, yes, there are places for all of these things. But personally, now you're asking me for my personal opinion. Yes. My wife and I would not be without certain oriental herbs that we use daily, and I will mention no company. Hmm. because there are many of them out there. Uh, but they do work, and the Orientals have known this for thousands of years and have developed them. All right. Um, dear Art, please ask your guest to comment on the swine flu vaccination program during the 70s from Dave in Portland. Well, swine flu vaccine, I think, could possibly be answered by the doctor's um, talk on my video about vaccinations. Uh I should, maybe I should go to, well, if I, uh, let me dig through something here. I have a statement that is to be signed by a company in Utah, and they were urging all of their employees to get the flu shot last year. Right. But they would not give it to them unless they would sign a certain statement. And I'm digging through here trying to find that statement, and when a person reads it, they realize very quickly that if they didn't think something was wrong with it, they would have never asked them to do it. Right. Well, again, again, Lindsay, I, I, I question that a little bit because I know what a, a litigious society we are right now. And, um, you know, people have to protect themselves. And, and um, I guess the argument would be made that maybe the swine flu shot doesn't work well for everybody. Maybe there are some side effects for some people. But generally, it is more positive, they would argue, than it is negative. Um, I guess you, you would take issue with them on that, uh, but uh, sometimes there are side effects to almost any medicine, and because people sue you these days, you've got to get those kinds of statements. 
Yes, and I would always say, agree with your, uh, listen to your doctor. I would never say do anything contrary to your doctor. He knows your system best. But there's a book written by Stan Malstrom. He's out of Utah, and it's on vaccinations. And in his book, he says, in the past few years, we've found numerous reports have been publicized in the media and medical magazines emphasizing the negative reaction to drugs and vaccinations. A prime example is the DPT shot that seems to be the primary cause of crib death, spinal meningitis, mm. brain damage, and other problems in infants. And this is in copyrighted book form. Uh, all, all right, but, but, but Lindsay, yeah, let me lay it out on the table here. You say always listen to your dentist, always listen to your doctor, um, uh, and it sounds to me like that's one of those things that you feel like you've got to say, and that if I really caught you in private and you and I were sitting around having a beer or something, you'd tell me doctors are full of absolute crap and you shouldn't listen to anything they say at all. Now, am I right or wrong? Uh, you're right. <laughs> but right. really, I, uh, that, uh, that kind of statement would, uh, could be construed a lot of ways negatively. Uh, I would say this. Listen to your doctor. He knows your system. But at the same time, go find an alternative method of doing it. And all right. they are out there. All right. Uh, I just wanted to drag that from you. On the toll-free line, you're on the air with Lindsay Williams. Hello? Well, no, you're not. Wild card line, you're on the air with Lindsay Williams. Good morning. Hi, Mr. Williams. Uh, I was wondering, do you remember what happened to the uh, Indians in the 18th and 19th centuries? Yes. Uh, when they came in contact with uh, the white men? They yes. didn't use herbs or processed uh, foods. I was wondering what wiped them out, and do you think antibiotics would help them? All right. Uh, yeah, they came in contact with white men, and... Uh, uh, new diseases all of a sudden that they hadn't faced before, I suppose, and they should have had great immune systems sitting around eating herbs, doing things close to the earth, and yet they died like crazy, Lindsay. Well, I think what you mentioned a moment ago, Art, that uh, when we're not out in public as much as some people might be, and you've said you haven't had a cold for a long time, that's right. and we don't come in contact with certain diseases, uh, but that's what we are facing right now, is new mutated diseases that our bodies have not built up an immune system or have not built up antibodies against. And there again, uh, if that immune system's not strong, we definitely are in trouble. But if it is strong, at least we have a chance. All right. Uh, on the toll-free line, you're on the air with Lindsay Williams. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, what I wanted to ask you, uh, I've had great results with people uh, with the collodial silver and the pycnogenol. Okay, goodbye. I recognize that voice. I don't talk to that lady. On the wild card line, you're on the air. Good morning. Uh, yes, uh, this is Doc Conservative. Doc Conservative. All right, well, you're on with Lindsay Williams. Okay. Um, yeah, I just uh, really enjoyed hearing you. Um, I was in a residency, and uh, uh, half of the residents came down with uh, TB after being exposed to a certain person. Did you say one half? Um, it was three out of seven. Wow. That is steep. And uh, <laughs> Was it a new form of TB? Uh, it, they said no, and probably not, but um, it was pretty scary. It was the inner city on the east coast. Well, I don't see how it could not be the new form if it was that contagious. That's, that's airborne contagion, right? Well, they denied it, but, um, you know... Uh, if it wasn't full-blown, yeah, it looked like uh, it wasn't. But um, I've seen some pretty scary stuff. And um, the guy who um, was poo-pooing what you're saying, uh, he just doesn't know what's coming. <laughs> well, you I, do know the story that was written up in Time magazine 
about Westminster, California, where a 16-year-old Vietnamese immigrant had found a bunch of people. native land. 400 young people, 30% of the school came down with it, and 12 of them were diagnosed as having the new strain that is uh, resistant to drugs. Well, this particular lady uh, was um, in Puerto Rico, and she had, uh, uh, ended up infecting about seven or eight people uh, in a short period of time. And um, I uh, have seen, I was also did uh, work in Yale, and uh, at times uh, they say uh, the hospital was 50% HIV positive. Oh, my. <laughs> so um, that's why I'm not going to tell you any. Anything right. more about who I am or anything like that. All right, caller, good enough. Uh, also, Lindsay, there was a story about a half a year, maybe even a year ago, about a school somewhere in the Midwest w- which had a horrendous HIV infection uh, rate, and nobody could figure out why. Even though they had not had the general run-of-the-mill methods of contracting it. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yes, in fact, there are articles coming out now on that subject in the medical periodicals on HIV, and if we had, you know, if we had another hour. But anyway... It, we we do have another hour. You want to stay around? Oh, I'll be glad to stay with you. All right. Well. In fact, I'll dig that article out and see if I can find it. And it right. talks about how they contracted it. All right. First time caller line, you're on with Lindsay Williams. Hello. Hi, yeah. Uh, this is uh, Craig and uh, Chico. Yes, Craig. Um, hey, uh, this, this sounds like more snake oil to me. Um, <clears throat> I have a question... I haven't heard any independent confirmation of your observations. Well, he's been uh, laying down documentation uh, all along the way. It, it's not documentation. It's just it's it's it, it's just hearsay. No, no, sir. It is not. They are quotes from physicians, um, Time magazine articles, all the rest of it. You have not been listening to so, be able to to be able to say that. No, actually, um, do you believe everything you read? No. I okay. believe it when I read it so in the Journal of the American Medical Association and other very prominent medical periodicals. Yeah, so why, why don't you give us, caller, give us a specific that you take issue with. Go right ahead. Well, actually, I'm not picking a specific because if you pick up USA Today... Well, then, then today, your, criti- your criticism is diminished if you can't give us a specific instance. Well, the problem is I haven't heard true specifics from, from your guest. Okay, then demand one now. Well, what I'd like to hear is uh, um, a, tr- uh, a true observation from maybe Stephen Hawkins, my true Buddha, my God, my uh, uh, the person I look up to. Well, then why the hell don't you call Stephen Hawkins? Well, wh- what I'm saying is... Well, you're not saying anything at all of value. <laughs> I'm well, gonna, let me read him. I'm, no, I'm going to give him, I'm gonna give him another chance. Give us something of value or I'm going to... Well, okay. I hear someone calling in from... Uh, <clears throat> Sending a fax in from Portland. They what they do is make a reference to the swine flu, which is a reference to the CIA putting a, oh, a, a carcinogen in the pigs, so that yeah, goodbye, uh, Lindsay. That wasn't worth dealing with any further. If he had legitimate criticism, um, you know, we're we're here to take that, and I allow it because this is an open forum. But that was just so much absolute baloney. I have nowhere. Uh, I I have no idea where the guy was going. Uh, may I give one? Yeah, real uh, quick. We're definitely experiencing more aggressive infections, says Dr. Dennis Stevens, a professor of medicine at the University of Washington. The worst part is because it is not mandatory to report the diseases to the Center for Disease Control. All right, I've, I've got it. We've got to go, Lindsay. We'll be back right after the news. This is CBC. CBC.